Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. Todd Quarter here with you in Atlanta. JJ on the other side of the ATL and our producer, Wayne, in Memphis, Tennessee. Our guest today is Deshaun Tate. Uh, Tate's Tate Hoops. You can get him at Twitter. Go check out his podcast. This is our March Madness Final Four special edition of ATL Prime Sports. You can catch all of us on social media at ATL Prime Sports, Wayne at RWY Jr., JJ at JJ Get You One, myself at Quarter Todd, and of course, Tate, uh, Deshaun Tate at Takes Tate's Hoops. So uh, check out his podcast. Uh, check out our many platforms um, that you can uh, get the show on. What is it? Spotify. Uh, you can listen to it on Twitter. When we put it out on Twitter, uh, Apple Podcasts, and et cetera, JJ will give the remainder of the information. Um, JJ, uh, let's start out with you. How you doing today real quick? We only got 15 minutes with Deshaun. Man, doing great. Almost as great as the UConn women's Huskies basketball team as their win over North Carolina State. Put them in their 14th consecutive Final Four. Gino Ariema, what a legend of a coach. That's 22 Final Fours overall. Just some more Final Four information for our fans out there. I'm doing great. <laughs> Wayne, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I will say this. Anytime I see Villanova in the Final Four, I automatically picture Raleigh Massimino in my head. That's so do I. So do I with that upset win against Georgetown years ago. And, of course, Jay Wright has two uh, titles at Villanova. And guess what? They're in the Final Four. Speaking of the Final Four, let's bring on our guest, Deshaun Tate. Deshaun, you're going to New Orleans. Uh, you'll be leaving Thursday. And what a matchup we have. We have Duke and North Carolina. Uh, as you know, the last time they played, it was in Cameron. It was the last home game for Mike Krzyzewski. And, uh, and they ruined Coach K's last game because UNC went ahead and defeated them. And everybody thought, well, that's it. Coach K and Duke, they're not going to play North Carolina anymore this year. And here they are in the Final Four. North Carolina will be in their 21st Final Four. Coach K, is. this is going to be his record 13th Final Four as a head coach passing the great John Wooden of UCLA. And then of Hubert Davis, this will be in his first year at North Carolina. This will be his first uh, Final Four. And, uh, you know, this is a great history. These schools are only eight miles apart, 248 NCAA tournament wins. This is the 258th matchup between the two schools. And again, this is their first game, uh, first matchup in the NCAA tournament. They did meet in the NIT in 71. And of course, they met in the ACC tournament millions of times. This is their third matchup of the year. It could have been their fourth, but UNC lost to Virginia Tech in the semifinals of the ACC. And then Duke was beat in the finals by Virginia Tech. What a story these clubs are. Uh, what a storybook career for Mike Krzyzewski. And this matchup, it has all the makings of a classic. It does. First and foremost, thank you guys so much for having me on. And uh, it's just, it's a, it's a very overwhelming experience uh, to be a part of all these things. You talked about the 
game at Carolina and the game at, at Cameron Indoor, and I was at both of those games, and it only sounds right and fitting to be at the one that is the tiebreaker, uh, and it's only right to have it as the second game of the Final Four and not the first game. So I can only imagine let everybody get their uh, nice uh, 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 juice inside of them before coming into the arena. Uh, everybody's looking, you know, forward to it. Um, it should be, it should be every bit. I mean, how often do you get a chance? When is the last time we've seen a final four of these blue blood programs? As good as the one was in 2015 when Duke went and won it, where you had a lot of really good, you know, programs at Michigan State and, you know, Kentucky, Duke. You still had Wisconsin in there. I don't think anybody's going to cry about that final four. Even, you know, the 2008 where all the number one seeds went, the Memphis and, uh, you know, the UCLA and, you know, all those Kansas and Kentucky and so forth, but, uh, or not Kentucky, but North Carolina, but, um, you got, you got a lot of, you got a lot of tradition in the building. I mean, how often do you get these things? Not very often, right? So, um, I, the, the job that, that Hubert Davis, who's a dear friend of mine, nobody's happy, nobody's happier for him than I am to be able to get to this point. I mean, he's going to his first one. Kay is going, you know, to try to break a record and and uh, obviously, you know, over 100 tournament wins. And, um, you know, I, I, I picked Duke to win the whole thing from the beginning, from the time that he announced that he was going to um, retire. Um, but it, just seeing how fitting it is, the potential matchups that we have, not only the ones that we do have, but the, but the potential ones where you do have potentially a Duke maybe moving on and playing in the national championship game against the same team, potentially Kansas, where he won his first one in 91, could be the matchup of his last one under the same roof of his mentor where he won his last one, Robert Montgomery Knight, better known as Bobby Knight. So there's just so, there's so many different, you know, layers to the onion uh, that we can go with here. And I'm just excited to see, you know, the, you talk about the tradition and the history. And, I mean, think about it from a program prestige standpoint. This is just how big this thing is. Is uh, Villanova probably has the lowest program prestige of all of the four teams. And they've won two of the last five national championships, for crying out loud. So all of those things and all, you know, all except for one Hubert Davis, you know, uh, 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 Hall of Fame coaches, it just doesn't, honestly, it, it, it just really doesn't get any better than this. No, it doesn't, Deshaun. And and, and, and you look at the, you, you talked a little bit about the history between these four programs. I, I mean, North Carolina has the most championships with six. Duke has five. Villanova and Kansas have three. This is the first time ever that all the teams that are in the Final Four have won them all have won the title more than once. This is so impressive. And you know, there's another North Carolina coach that made his uh, in his first season that went to the final four. And that was Bill Guthridge. He took North yeah. Carolina into the final four in his first season. And now Hubert Davis, a former player at North Carolina, and a very good yeah. one at that has taken them to a final four again. And it could be Coach K's last game. I mean, talk about some serious revenge. North Carolina not only could do it once, but they could do it twice. And then, of course, Duke, they could go ahead and get the final last laugh. I mean, 
Talk about this matchup and its leading scores, if you would may it may and, and unpeel the onion between these two clubs, as you like to say. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Nobody's the ironic thing is nobody has won a national championship with um, such uh, high influential key players uh, since Duke has done it. You know, when you look at, you know, there was no one-and-done players on the 16 Villanova team. Uh, you know, I don't think we've seen one on Villanova probably since Tim Thomas. And then, you know, Carolina had one with Tony Bradley in 17. Villanova didn't have one in 18. Virginia didn't have one in 19. 2020 was a wash because of COVID, but Baylor didn't have one in 2021. And Duke has that opportunity to do that. So we got to start with Paolo Bancaro who I think is the number one pick in the draft. I don't I don't think there's going to be too much more of a question about that. The concerning part sometimes is he doesn't really get to his spots fast enough for me um, sometimes, and uh, I don't know if he's imitating Carmelo Anthony too much in a triple threat where he is lethal and dominant um, from that standpoint. Settling on jump shots sometimes, but the big body that he is, you got to see him. He has tree trunks for legs. And the, 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 the question is always going to be for this Duke team, uh, the guard play. When you start talking about having a successful bracket, you start looking at, you know, the Hall of Fame coaches, which obviously you have here. You start looking at the depth. You start looking at the experience, the juniors and the seniors and so forth. Um, but you've got to start looking at elite guard play. And that point guard position is as lethal and critical as any. Uh, and in this situation – uh, where you have Jeremy Roach, who they needed to play much better basketball. Uh, and he's done that in, in the NCAA tournament. And that's the reason why that they've, you know, advanced. Uh, just a couple things that I've seen throughout the course of just this matchup in general. Uh, you know, North Carolina, they cannot afford for Brady Manning to solely be their best player on the floor. Or they're going to lose. You've got to have those Armando Baycots and some of those other guys, those R.J. Davis who's been playing really good. That's the that's the matchup that I might be looking forward to the most is the R.J. Davis versus uh, Jeremy Roach uh, just because those are two guys that uh, are very questionable at that particular position. But I think that the X factors uh, for this particular um, for this particular game is going to be Caleb Love for North Carolina, obviously. Uh, and then another guy who may not be necessarily an X factor for Duke, but is certainly a difference maker and doesn't get nearly the credit that he deserves is the transfer from Marquette, Theo John, who can come in and kind of impose his will from a physicality and aggressiveness standpoint uh, and, 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 and who he is as a leader on that team. Uh, is is just amazing. So Carolina has to look like the Carolina of old. We know that. They like to get out and run, do it the Carolina way, always known as that program that you don't want to get out and run with. But Duke likes to do a little running themselves. I would imagine that we see a, a lot of penetration to the basket from Jeremy Roach and throwing up the lob uh, to the big man Williams in the middle. That, that That seems to be kind of a staple of their bread and butter. I feel like they've probably been watching a lot of Trey Young to John Collins. <laughs> yes. You're listening to Deshaun Tate right here on ATL Prime Sports. You can find Deshaun at Tate's Take Hoops, the multi-level basketball analyst himself. 
Uh, Deshaun, I'm going to go with the other game, the matinee, the one-versus-two seed, Kansas-Villanova. Two historic coaches in this one as well. Kansas a four-and-a-half-point favorite, according to Caesar Sportsbook, and a 133 over-under in that one. What kind of game do you see here, and who do you like in this one? I, I had Kansas in my final four. I originally had Arizona win in this side of the bracket. Uh, so I'm going Kansas in this game. Mr. Deshante, what say you, my friend? That last piece I wanted to throw in before we get to it about North Carolina was, uh, you know, th there was there was teams this year, three teams particularly, and this isn't a dig by any means, but I really felt like I didn't know if they had an identity. I didn't know if I could count on them because I didn't know who they are. And those three teams were Alabama, Memphis, and North Carolina. I just wasn't sure who was going to show up on that day. They can go home on the first day or they can make a run all the way to the Final Four. They can beat anybody in the country. They can lose it to anybody in the country. So I wanted to make that last point about North Carolina. Uh, but even more so, you start talking about the set, the, the, the other matchup in the uh, Final Four. I think a lot of people are going to call it that, the other matchup. Um, which is, uh, 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 honestly, a pretty damn good one. Like, you've got to be a Absolutely. really special matchup in the Final Four to consider Kansas against Villanova the other matchup. I mean, that is, <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is essentially a national championship matchup in its own right. Um, but Absolutely. with that being said, we know that, you know, Villanova's missing a, a very good defender and scorer. Uh, and, and Justin Moore, who's out with an Achilles injury. They, uh, I would imagine that Jay Wright, who's one of the better adjustment makers in the game, in the sport today, uh, one, uh, and, and probably going to bring Brian Antoine, who's a former McDonald's All-American, off the bench and just kind of plug and play. And he knows what this stage is all about. He's been around uh, for quite some time, and obviously since the guys won a national championship in 18. But I say all that to say that, he had been out with an injury himself much of his career, and his expectations for him were very high. And now that he has to be the plug-and-play guy, there's that experience for Villanova. Uh, they don't beat themselves at all. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're probably going to make history of being the best free-throw percentage team in the history of the game when this thing is all over with. And, you know, these are two teams between Kansas and Villanova. I wasn't sure it was going to be at this point. Because they just, as good as they are respectfully this year, these aren't one of the better Villanova teams that we've seen. This isn't one of the better Kansas teams that we've ever seen. This Kansas team actually kind of reminds me a little bit of the one that played in the national championship game and went to the Final Four to play Kentucky in 2012 with Thomas Robinson and some of those guys. It has that feel to it. Um, but nonetheless, You've got some guys like David McCormick in the front court who's going to have to be really, really big and impose his will from a size standpoint. I think Christian Braun is the X factor here as well, who's going to have to have a big game, especially shooting it from the outside. I think he's one of their better shooters. Uh, and then, you know, obviously Abaji is right there for National Player of the Year contention as well. Uh, so Villanova's going to have their hands full. But listen, Dixon in the middle, who is a straight load, you know, if anybody remember Rico Gathers from Baylor, who was just a huge mammoth man a few years ago, he kind of gives me a little bit of those vibes on the basketball court. He could probably go make some money on the football field someday if things don't work out in the NBA. But, I mean, we start talking about catalysts and guys that lead teams. I'm not sure there's a better leader in college basketball than Colin Gillespie, 
a guy who, uh, you know, over a year ago got injured and looked like, you know, he may not ever, you know, make uh, – have the opportunity at a national championship. Jay Wright is just such a great coach and even better guy uh, 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 to to lead that program. And then you got Bill Self who – you know, I mean, the clock is ticking for them, too. They've got some pressure on themselves. Mm-hmm. They haven't won a national championship in close to about 15 years. That's that's pretty that, – that, that, that's some pretty hefty stuff when you start talking about, you know, Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, and and, and I, I'm just really excited to see it. Um, it's going to be a, a really – it's going to be a battle all the way to the end. And every team has their work cut out for them. Uh, uh, it's just – all the tra- again, the tradition and the history and everything that comes along with this, enjoy it because we don't get Final Fours like this very often. With all the no. respect in the world to the BCUs and the, you know, to the George Masons and Loyolas and all of that, this is what it's about. This is we typically don't get this, but one time a year, and that's in the very first game of the regular season, the Champions Classic, where you you have all of you know the the, the blue blood programs at the beginning of the season and finally you get it for the uh for the final four which I think will be good but who knows you know around this time and first game of the season next year we could be talking about a rematch of the national championship game duke against kansas from last year's national championship game obviously we'll find out a little bit more as to how true that'll be upcoming this weekend Deshaun, Deshaun if it, it, it hang on I just I was hang on, JJ, just a second. Um, no, go ahead, JJ. You go ahead. I apologize. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you're good. I just wanted to apologize for cutting you off there, Deshaun. I uh, my phone cut out no, on. No, you're me. good. No, take no, your hey, time. Go ahead. Go for it. No, hey, um, fellas. Um, you know, you mentioned Colin Gillespie. He he averages what a little over fifteen and a half a game. Deshaun, does Gillespie need to get that big twenty plus number for Villanova to win? And number two, you already mentioned Abachi for Kansas. I mean, I've got them winning the whole thing. I I, I have them playing North Carolina in the final. Um, and, and, and you mentioned North Carolina as as the eighth seed in this tournament. They don't. They're not an eighth seed, but you mentioned two other programs where they could go either way. And 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 also you mentioned Baycott. This guy was getting a rebound a minute against St. Peter's. So, I mean, there's just multiple facets here of these matchups. And, and, and saying the other matchup is Villanova and Kansas, I've heard that. That is insane because, honestly, each one of these teams has an equal shot to win the thing. Yeah, Gillespie, I do think, has to have one of those 20-point type of games, even probably even more so, not because I just felt that way anyway, but even more so because of the fact that there is no Justin Moore. Um, so I think that that's something that they just have to have realistically uh, from him. And, and, and if not, you know, the, 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 we're talking about one of the best defensive performances from a team uh, that can go on to the national championship game if he doesn't score 20 plus. Um, but as far as Armando Baycott, I mean, listen, he's he kind of gives me a vibe a little bit or give me, you know, under the same energy of what we saw from uh, some of the players that formerly played at North Carolina. You know, the Kennedy Meeks, the Sean May, some of those kind of doughier type of front court players 
but also always has very good footwork, always very soft hands, working themselves around the rim, likes to bang a little bit. Uh, and, and so, you know, you start talking about players like him. Duke's going to have their hands full. Villanova's going to have their hands full. Kansas would have their hands full with that guy uh, and, and, and respect, you know, deservedly so. And, listen, every the, the thing I love about it the most is every team has something going for them. Every team is going to have their hands full with someone else on the other team um, that is, you know, capable of being an All-American or – you know, a nat or or or, or a, a a national player of the year, whether it's a Baji, uh, whether whether it's you know Baycott or or Manic being in one of those conversations, whether it's you know Paulo Bancaro in the conversation, whether it's uh, 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 um, um, you know Gillespie, whomever the case, everybody's got their hands full. You can, you can, you really can. This is going to be one that you're going to want to not only not miss, but just take it all in and enjoy uh, what's going to, you know, the camaraderie and of these teams and the chemistry that you're going to get a chance to see them and, and, and the resumes that you put forward, 18 national championships between them. I, I got a chance to – I was looking at some. I said, Carolina's got six national championships. And then, you know, I was looking through some pictures from when I was in Chapel Hill about a month ago and – Looking up in the in, in the rafters, and it appears that they have seven national championships now. I thought all of this started with Oregon in 1939, in which Carolina's hanging one that says 1924. But nonetheless, uh, just <laughs> yeah. a tradition rich all across the board, and 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 I think that you know this Final Four is going to be one that you will remember, that you won't ever want to forget. And I'm just excited and blessed to have the opportunity to be in the building. You know what, Deshaun, I know we're out of time. Um, well, I can't mention, we can't mention the NCAA tournament without St. Peter's. I mean, a 15 mm. seed going to the Elite Eight. What a story. Defeating Kentucky, a blue blood. Uh, they showed pictures of their stadium compared to St. Peter's Stadium. Then defeating the seven seed Murray State and then defeating the three-seed Purdue. This is an incredible story. Your comment and your thoughts real quick on that, then we we got to let you go. Sure, no problem. Um, the story that it was, you know, we talk about all the, you know, the, the, the mid-major program. They're not even a mid-major. They're a low-major. I think people forget about those things sometimes because there is a difference there. Um, mm -hmm. the, the crazy part is, is, you know, we start talking about all these runs that these teams went on. Think about the teams that they've played and that they've beat. I mean, one of the reasons behind why I think Murray State lost is because, and this is definitely credit to, you know, St. Peter's for the great job that they've done, but even more so, Murray State has never been in a position to where they weren't playing underdog in an NCAA tournament, really. You know, and, and, and that's something that they probably had to do for the first time, which was something different and new. Um, but just beating teams great. like Kentucky to get there and beating teams like Purdue to get there. And uh, I'm not sure that we've ever seen a run like that probably since that 2006 George Mason team where they put out Michigan State in the first round, North Carolina second round, Wichita State in the Sweet 16. And then, of course, everybody knows about the, 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 the UConn team that was led by, by Rudy Gay and Charlie Villanueva and Josh Boone and all those guys. But 
you've got to give credit to what St. Peter's has been able to do. I'm sure nobody's going to be in such a rush to schedule them uh, on, 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 in, in the non-conference games. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's everybody loves the underdog. Everybody roots for the underdog, and I, I totally get it. I was rooting without rooting uh, my own self, but you just got to give credit to where credit is due for everything that they've been able to put in place. Nobody saw that one coming. Hell, I don't know if they saw that one coming. Uh, but uh, they had themselves a good run. Apparently, you know, clearly kind of ran out of gas there at the end. But I also think that not only should they not have anything to hang their heads uh, about, uh, considering the run that they made one game away from the Final Four, but even more so the fact that I can't wait to see how excited that those guys are when next year rolls around and then they have a chance to hang a Final Four banner. I mean, just think about it. I mean, that, that, that's, that's a legacy right there. The guys at George Mason, BCU, all these different places, you still go in there, wow, a Final Four, whoever would have thunk it, that you'd be seeing a Final Four banner in St. Peter's, Jersey City, that, that, that's got to be one of the most amazing things. Those are the things, that's what March Madness is all about. The storylines that you get the chance to go and tell your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids about the run that you made, those are unforgettable moments that nobody can ever take away from you. And, and, and it just goes to show exactly how special March Madness is and exactly why it is the best time of the year. It is the most unpredictable time of the year, uh, and, and it definitely lived up to its billing this year. Sean, thanks for your time. I know we went a little over with you today. I, it's fine. It's fine. You guys want to go a little a, longer? Well, it's, it's, a, it's perfectly fine. You're, you have such a wealth of knowledge, and I would like to bring you back after the Final Four and ask you sure. about questions about the game of college basketball, some of the concerns you have going forward, and also why they don't talk about college basketball. It seems like the media doesn't really talk about it until March Madness. We'll leave that, and we'll talk to you about that. We'll have you back on when you come back from New Orleans. If you'd love to come on, that would be great. I'll be in California, so I'm going to have to tape this game. I'm not even going to be able to watch it live. I'll be prepping for USA hockey out there. I have um, I have quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals to do out in uh, Southern California. So I can't wait for your analysis on the Final Four. After it's done, we'll talk about the state of college basketball, and we look forward to having you come on again. Of course. No, sure thing. It's, I appreciate you guys sharing the space with me and overly grateful and thankful for all of it. I mean, listen. Selection Sunday, Tom Brady tried to ruin it for me. Uh, 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 <laughs> and, and sh shortly after, Deshaun Watson, that news. Uh, uh, then we find out who's going to the Final Four. Now all of a sudden, Will Smith and Chris Rock is it? Nobody's going to take <laughs> my joy away from what we're about to experience. I tell people all the time, don't, 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 don't allow these other things. To, don't overlook the fact that in five days we will have a rematch, North Carolina and Duke, in a Final Four setting to see who goes to the national championship. So I can't wait to come on with you guys again. I'm, I'm really excited. 
and, uh, and, 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 and lastly, hey, if you guys want to put something together, we can put something together while I'm there at the Final Four, while I'm there in New Orleans, and give you a little bit of a breakdown of what things are like while I'm there. Uh, however you guys want to do it, I'm perfectly right. fine with that. I'm going to get off of here now. Uh, I think that um, – uh, 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 um, not Jay Wright, but um, uh, Hubert Davis is at the podium, so I'd be more you than happy to share. Man. I'd be more than happy to share whatever it is. Just let me know. Give me a call, TC, and I'll be more than happy to come on. I sure will. We'll see if we can work that out. It's going to be madness for me when I leave Saturday morning for California, and I'm sure it's going to be madness for you once you leave for New Orleans Thursday. Well, maybe we'll try to figure something out. Sounds good. Guys, just let me know. Thank you guys. All you guys, JJ, all you guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Can't wait to do it again. Thank you and God bless and have a safe journey, my friend. Blessings and prosperity. Thank you. Thank you. That's Thank you, Deshaun. We appreciate it and right back at you. Deshaun Tate here on ATL Prime Sports. Uh, Tate's Tate Hoops. Deshaun has one. I I'm just going to say it, JJ and Wayne. He's got one hell of a podcast. Go to his Twitter feed um, and, 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 and go get it and go check out his podcast. You want to talk about college basketball or professional basketball, this guy has it. And I'll tell you what, JG, he's had tremendous guests on his show. And he's a good friend of ours and a good friend of the show. And, and JJ, I, I'm going to ask you, and, and Wayne, I'm going to ask you both before I give you my answer. Um, before we talk into the Falcons real quick, and we'll get Deshaun's answer when he comes back on, but I want to get you guys' answer. First of all, why doesn't college basketball get the, the, the top-notch coverage? Why don't they get it until the Final Four? Wayne, I want your answer first, because you're a Memphis guy, and then, J.J., you go next. Well, being here in Memphis, uh, we actually do get a lot of attention focused on it uh, in the news and everything else. Uh, nationally, yeah, nationally, I think it does get some attention. However, because of uh, baseball uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of grabbing a lot of the spotlight, I think lately, uh, you know, that's kind of diminished somewhat. But uh, to me, it's always gotten a lot of attention, maybe because I'm looking for it. That's yeah, interesting. See, you are a hoops junkie, but JJ, I'm going to shift over to you because you're a football junkie and a college football junkie and a pro football junkie too, to be fair. But I think college is your number one. I'm just guessing. But, um, you know, it just seems like to me college basketball takes a huge step back. It's never talked about by the mainstream media uh, uh, on the talk shows during the day. It's always... It's it neither is Major League Baseball, to be honest with you. It's always pro football, pro basketball. That's it. College football even takes sort of a backseat, but college basketball really takes a backseat. Why? Well, I, I've oh, got I, I think, Go ahead, JJ. Go ahead, Wayne. No, no go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. And, then, and then JJ can. All right. Well, uh, I, I think it's actually good that uh, those sports stay outside that mainstream media because a lot of that mainstream media – is focused on uh, pushing forward an agenda. And these sports staying out of that agenda, I think it's a good thing. All right. Um, go ahead, AJ. My opinion is I think this year was a, 
more exception to the rule than usual simply because the Major League Baseball's lockout was such a huge story and it lasted for so long. And the NFL free agency period was probably one of the crazier ones I've ever seen in my entire life. And Deshaun mentioned it. I mean, you had Tom Brady come back from retirement. Devontae Adams, one of the best wide receivers in the league, goes out west. He reunites with his college quarterback, Derek Carr. Uh, or, uh, and, you know, big moves like Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland, I think that had a lot to do with it this year. But in general, um, it, it's, it's a shame it's not covered more. It's such an exciting sport. And one of the questions I wanted to get to with Deshaun was, Look, last year you have an 11-seeded UCLA make the Final Four. This year a 15-seeded St. Peter's made the Elite Eight. Heck, you throw in the Butler-Gonzaga runs as well. You know, there's been some major parity in college basketball, and people don't uh, don't want to talk about it. And I'm a guy of parity. I mentioned how the NFL's got one of the best leagues in the in the world because of the salary cap and the way they're able to get – one or two picks that change their team and they're instantaneously put back in the spotlight. I think people like that. Whereas in college basketball, you know, you get uh, one guy, he may be there for one year and then the team might not be good for three or four years. I think all that has something to do with it, but I think it's a crying shame that college basketball is not talked about in the mainstream media. Well, what I think hurts college basketball is the players in the one and done. I think it hurts it tremendously. You know, you, you, you see in football, these players are staying at least three years. So you're getting to know them. You're getting to know their how they're affiliated with the college they attend. When in college yeah. basketball, you don't get that, and especially with the Blue Bloods. Now, you get it in some other programs like Michigan State, and Deshaun will be able to talk about the Spartans in detail because he's a huge Michigan State fan, and I'm a huge fan of Tom Izzo. I think the job he has done not getting the players like Mike Krzyzewski has and et cetera, and to have Michigan State at the level that they're at has been tremendous. I think that's been one of the reasons that's hurt college basketball. I think the other reason is the game is so three oriented i think the next coach that comes along and it emphasizes the mid-range jumper and the inside play and can get inside play on a consistent basis with the bigs and emphasizes that first and then blends in the three-point shot that's the team that can, might be able to go on its so so-called dynasty run if they can keep these players together three years and with, uh, with, with with the NIL and all that coming up, maybe that will help out in, in terms of keeping players there longer, but I doubt it because the big dollars in professional basketball is waiting around the corner. So uh, we'll find out. We'll ask Deshaun all these questions when he comes back on. I just thought I'd go ahead and get you guys' opinion. And by the way, let's pick our final four. Uh, what is yours, Wayne, and who's the champion? Then we'll do JJ and myself. Well, I I really I don't give too much of a care for any of these four teams, but it would be cool to see Coach K win a final championship in his final year. Uh, the reason I don't really care much for Villanova is because they beat Memphis in the final four back in 85. And I don't like Kansas because in 2008, they beat Memphis in the championship game. 
However, both of those appearances have been vacated by the NCA because of the actions of Dana Kirk and John Calamari. Calipari, I'm sorry. John Calipari used to be a, a, the, the coach in Memphis. And at Kentucky. So you have Duke winning it, Wayne? Is that correct? Yeah, that's who I would want. Okay, who do you have going I to the I got Duke. Real quick. I got Duke winning it all. I'll have Duke facing Kansas. I think uh, Villanova's down a marquee player. And I also think it's just too storybook to not have the first and the last be Kansas for Coach K. So I go Duke and Kansas both advance, Duke winning the whole thing. In my bracket, which uh, we I am currently winning, uh, we will uh, still give a gift card to the closest finisher that isn't affiliated with us. So whoever wins, please get in contact with me on Twitter and we will get you your Visa gift card through the mail. Uh, but that is it. Duke, Kansas, Duke winning it all. Coach K cutting down the nets one more time. I've got uh, Kansas and North Carolina, and I have Kansas winning the national championship. Wayne, who do you have playing Duke in the final? You didn't say that. It's probably going to end up being Kansas for the same reason that uh, J.J. said. They, Villanova's missing a key player, and this late in the game, I don't think it's, it's going to be a scramble to cover that spot. But they do have a former McDonald's All-American filling in. That must that that's got to be huge luxury for Jay Wright. Um, no question about it. Uh, that's that's that's. I'm telling you what. If one guy can X and O with all of them, it is Jay Wright. He's proven it. He's won two national championships in Villanova in the last five years, and calling Kansas in the other Villanova the other game it, it, it is crazy. All right, let's go ahead. And let's go ahead and go to the Atlanta Falcons. Let's change subjects to the NFL. I know, JJ, you got to go here real quick. We were on with Deshaun longer than we thought, but that's okay. I'm glad we got to talk a lot of college basketball. Let's talk about the Falcons. They have the eighth pick in the draft. Um, you know, they, this you could peel this onion so many ways. You could go with an edge rusher. You could go with a quarterback. They have so many needs. Marcus Mariota is going to be the quarterback. Uh, this team needs O-line, D-line especially, linebacker, wide receiver, running back. Right now, as of right now, this may be the worst team in the NFL. I know they won seven games last year. Uh, the coaching uh, the coaching job that the staff did uh, on the Falcons, uh, what they did was tremendous. But, you know, when we're talking about this draft and their needs, J.J., there's so many directions they could go. Yeah, absolutely. Tons of directions. You and I have uh, chit-chatted about this. Um, right now, I mean, whether you want to argue it, defensive lineman, offensive lineman, or wide receiver, one of those three positions are your biggest need. I personally think wide receiver is the greatest need. If you're telling me that Alameda Zacchaeus and Kaderil Hodge are your two leading receivers at the X and Z uh, positions, uh, you're depth at wide receiver is greatly diminished. It would not surprise me if the Falcons went with the best wide receiver they felt is available at eight, but I will have to preface with saying, I don't know. Anybody knows what they're doing. They could go inside out. They did get a edge rusher from UGA, a former Bulldog and Lorenzo Carter. They also signed cornerback Casey Hayward. So that kind of shores up their defensive backfield. Uh, they're still going to have Eric Harris and Richie Grant as the safeties. 
Um, they're going to hope to get a lot from John Kaminsky, who's going to be in his third or fourth year. And you'll hope to Grady Jarrett anchors that defensive line down. And I think that explains why they'll go wide receiver, because you have a seasoned offensive line now with Matthews, Mayfield, Hennessy, Lindstrom, and McGarity, who've had some uh, games together, games under their belt, and chemistry. Hopefully you can get the most out of a subpar offensive line, and maybe you can build on that later. But right now, I don't think it'd be a problem if you drafted O-line, D-line, but I would go wide receiver because I think that's your biggest need. But you're right, Todd. Anywhere could be filled. Linebacker needs to be filled. Um, it's just so many needs. Um, looks like Atlanta's going to be okay at running back. They did sign Cordell Patterson. They still have Mike Davis. Uh, Mike Davis, and they did sign Damien Williams, uh, former backup uh, to Clyde Edwards, Hilaire out there in Kansas City. So they could go anywhere, man. No one really knows. Who knows? Todd, finish it for me. Oh, I think it would be a huge mistake for the Falcons to go eighth at wide receiver. This is a team that had the least most sacks in the NFL last year and gave up one of the most sacks, uh, uh, you know, the quarterback Ryan was sacked the most times of any quarterback last year. It was in the top five. They they need to build this team inside and out. Uh, if I'm Atlanta and, and Trevon Walker is there at the edge uh, at number eight, I take him or I trade down. I think the Falcons trading down in the first round and picking up another first-round pick or a high second-round pick. Uh, maybe having a late first-round pick with another second-round pick in the upper part of it would be better, would give them an extra pick. This team is – they have so many holes, so many places that you can pick up a wide receiver in the third or fourth round and still get the value that you would in the first round. For example, John Mechie, the wide receiver out of Alabama who had an ACL tear and couldn't play this year, could have been a first-round. He'll be available – around the 100th pick of the draft is which where the Falcons are at, and you can pick up a wide receiver. I mean, I've seen – now, this this stuff has surprised me, but I've seen the Falcons go eighth with Kenny Pickett. I've seen him go 43rd with Drake Johnson, the edge rusher out of USC, and I've seen him go 58th with Kenneth Walker, the running back out of Michigan State. So there's so many ways to go about this. But if I'm Atlanta, I'm the first two picks I'm taking are edge rushers, or I'm taking Jordan Davis out of out of uh, out of Georgia, and 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 then go with an offensive lineman late in the second round. I don't even start thinking about wide receiver until round three or four or running back. Wayne, what are your thoughts? Well, they obviously need a wide receiver, and I will. I, in my opinion, I think they should. Uh, kind of get Mariota in on the talks of which wide receiver they need to get via a trade for that draft pick. Well, Mariota, to me, I mean, getting him at quarterback, fine. This is a stopgap fill until and, and, and until they draft a quarterback and develop one. And, you know, they, when they, they traded Matt Ryan for what, a, a third rounder? Basically, they got a bag of donuts, unless this third rounder ends up being a Hall of Famer. You traded away a Hall of Famer to get relief. You still have a forty-plus million-dollar cap hit. I mean, I, I do you think the Braves would have done this kind of business? No way. When Freddie Freeman 
they knew they weren't going to get free Freddie Freeman. They were proactive. They moved on with them really quick, J.J., got Matt Olson and moved on. What did the Falcons do? Their first priority was to make Matt Ryan happy and send him where he wants. Well, what about the other 53 guys on the roster? To me, you just can't do that. It's got to be about the team, the team, the team, and the 53 guys on the roster. Yes, if you can move Matt Ryan where he wants to go, great, fantastic. More, more power to you. But it's about improving the football team and the Falcons have a long way to go. They do. They have lots of positions to fill, as we mentioned. Um, it, it, they could do anything here. And like I said, who knows? Nobody really knows because there's so many deficiencies on this roster. Uh, I, I really don't know. This is the first time as a Falcons fan and as a broadcaster, I have really no clue what the temperature is in that front office in Atlanta. They could do anything, Todd. They really could. One, I would trade down from eight and get the extra pick and acquire depth if you can do it, but that's hard to do. Two, if Jordan Walker or, or Trevon, uh, Jordan Davis or Trevon Walker is there, you know, another player Atlanta could go with in the third round and be Channing Tindall, the linebacker out of Georgia. I, I mean, that would be another good, valuable pick in the third round. Uh, but to me, wide receiver, that can't be one. It just can't be. There's too many good ones. So, um, guys, we're definitely out of time. I, I know that. Thanks for sending me the note. Uh, we're out of time. Appreciate everyone. Appreciate our guest, Deshaun Tate, for coming on. Maybe we can do another show. Uh, maybe I can do it from California. We can come on 10 minutes and talk Final Four with him. Or we'll just have him bring him on after the Final Four. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Have a great week and enjoy the final four. And hopefully your bracket looks better than mine. Have a great week, everybody, for Todd Quarter, for Wayne in Memphis, and for JJ on the other side of the ATL. Thanks for listening and watching.